Good morning. It is so good to be together. I'm so happy that each and every one of you is here. Whether you're joining us online or you're here in person, it's so good to be in this place together. Last week, we announced a new partnership that Greenwood Christian Academy is going to be our partner in the gospel, and they're going to take over operations of the gathering place and bring their high school to our campus. And we're so excited about the opportunities that God has because we feel like God has answered our prayer to align resources for the kingdom. And we're excited about that opportunity. And here's what I would invite you to do. Uh, On May 23rd, we're going to take some time and we're going to celebrate what God has done over the years through our ministry at the Gathering Place. And then as we look to this new season, there's one thing I want you to do. I want you to pray for this new partnership. I want you to pray. Right now, uh, Greenwood Christian Academy, they've got a lot to do to open up school. So pray for their team, pray for our team, and really pray that God will continue to show us, God will continue to work through this partnership and what that actually looks like. But this whole thing has been bathed in prayer, and we want that prayer to continue. Because we are in a time right now where we have 100,000 people in our community who don't have a church home, don't have all the resources of a church family, And we want to make a difference for God's kingdom. And we feel like this is one way God is going to do that. So continue to pray with us. Well, let's let's pray as we get into God's word today. Father, we do thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you are in control. We thank you that you've given us your spirit. You've given us your word to guide us, to teach us. I pray now that my words are clear, that they're helpful, that they bring you glory and honor. ask that you burn off whatever doesn't do those things. Holy Spirit, we need you to be our teacher this morning. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Uh, This week, I had the pleasure of an MRI. I hate MRIs. The results were good. There's nothing to worry about. I know a lot of you have been praying for me and my various ailments over time. Thank you. The results were good. But I want to tell you, I absolutely detest MRIs. On any would-you-rather game, that would lose. I'd rather be hit in the face. I'd rather do 100 burpees. There's all kinds of things I would rather do than have an MRI. Here's what I hate about MRIs. If you've never had an MRI, they kind of put you into this little tunnel for a while, and all this loud banging and clanging and all that uh, is there. But I suffer from from, uh, claustrophobia, and I feel like the whole world is closing in on me. I am afraid, I am alone, and I'm wondering when will this thing end Is this what it's like to be buried alive? These are the thoughts that are going through my mind. Now, there's a couple strategies. I've had multiple MRIs, multiple strategies. 
One strategy, once I tapped out and I said, I can't take it anymore, they had to shoot me up with some uh, medication to dull the pain of my fear. This last one, I've had so many, now I go to like the special place where it's open-ended and they're like, super therapeutic when you come, very gentle. And I went in and it was still like right up here. So they gave me this, it looked like the old Viewmaster, but a TV that they put over your eyes. So here I am watching Sports Center as I'm getting this MRI. It worked out beautifully. But this was the, this was the strategy this time. It was a distraction from the fear. Two strategies. Two strategies. One is to dull the pain. One is to distract. And I would invite you to think about that process and that response this morning. Because I believe we all have a tunnel of fear. We all can be in a place where we're wondering, what is next? I am afraid. Maybe I'm alone. When is this pain going to end? When is this season going to end? Now, the world can offer plenty of ways to dull the pain. The world can also offer plenty of ways to distract us from the pain. But I believe that God has something so much better for each one of us than something that dulls or distracts. This morning as we enter into God's word, we're going to see clearly what God has for each one of us. This morning we're going to look at a beautiful passage from Romans 8. And I've broken it down this way, three groans and a promise. Three groans and a promise. When you think about a groan, a groan is a deep and inarticulate sound. And God is going to meet us today in his word and in your tunnel. I don't know what your tunnel is today. I don't know what that is. Maybe it has to do with a relationship. Maybe it has to do with your finances. Maybe it's suffering. Maybe it's the ultimate tunnel of the ultimate unknown. But whatever that is, would you be open this morning to what God's word has for us? The first groan. Creation groans. Romans 8.20 says this, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. We know that the creation itself is groaning. I want you to try to wrap your mind around that. 
What does that mean? The very creation, the world, nature, all that is groaning. Creation itself is in a state of corruption. Sin, death, decay. All the things that we suffer physically is part of this fall. Part of this decline, part of this movement towards disorder. The creation has been subjected to, and I want you to see this word, futility. Futility is an expression of meaninglessness, purposelessness. It's all the why stuff that you can't answer when you look out in the world. Paul says that the world has been subjected to this. Some of us see the world that way and we're like, I I think it is without meaning and purpose. We have a culture that in many ways will view the world this way. But Paul says we are groaning, creation is groaning, and he compares it to labor. Now, I've, expre- I've experienced all kinds of pain. Labor pain is not one of them. My wife is a labor and delivery nurse, 23 years. She's seen lots of this pain, experienced it herself. But here's the thing. Labor pain is different than other types of pain, both in its intensity, but also it has a purpose. <laughs> At the end of that pain is new life. Is new life. That's what... Paul is saying creation itself is longing for this purpose, this expression of new life. So out of the void of meaninglessness and purposelessness is new life. It's a groaning. It's an expression that says God is in control of creation. Life has purpose. One day, One day, new heaven, new earth will be set free from the bondage of sin and death and decay. Do you long for that day? The first groan, creation groans. The second groan, we groan. Verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We as followers of Jesus, doesn't mean you got it all figured out, but you put your faith, your trust in Christ, you are following Jesus. You already have the first fruits of the Spirit. You have a taste, you have a glimpse of what is to come. There is a longing, though. Paul's already told us that his spirit, the Holy Spirit, 
God's spirit testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. That's not just some abstract truth. That's not just something academic. That's something in your heart. Something you can feel and experience. But we live in this time of the already and the not yet. We know that Jesus has already died for us. We know that we have already received the Holy Spirit, but we have not yet experienced fully what we will one day experience. We can have hope in the right now. We can have hope in the midst of whatever kind of pain we have right now. So we see in God's Word repeatedly there is both an acknowledgement of the pain of the right now. There's pain in your tunnel. I don't know what your tunnel is. (laughs) Some of you, it may be obvious. Others, you don't even want to acknowledge that you have a tunnel. But whatever that is, there is both an acknowledgement of the reality that the best is not yet here. The best is to come. So there's hope. There is hope. There is a longing for something better. Creation groans. We groan. The third groan. The Holy Spirit groans. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, I want this truth to sink in for just a minute. The Holy Spirit is present with you in your weakness. The very Spirit of God, the very Spirit who was present in creation, the very Spirit that empowered Jesus to rise from the dead, that same Spirit is inside of you and is there to help you in your weakness. In the middle of the night, when you don't know what to pray for, the Spirit is there. When you feel like you're at the end of your rope, the Spirit is there. When you feel like you do not know what the next right thing to do is, The Spirit is there. The Spirit groans. Now, here's the difference, and this is what you need to see on this groan. The Spirit doesn't groan out of weakness or out of lack lack of knowledge. The Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, has all the characteristics of the Father and the Son. The Spirit knows. 
The Spirit intercedes. The Holy Spirit gives you exactly what you need when you need it most. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit gives you exactly what you need when you need it the most. So there's three groans. The creation groans. We groan. The Holy Spirit groans on our behalf. So whatever your tunnel is, wherever you are right now, I want you to know that those three groans are present. God in his sovereignty understands the creation groaning. God knows you where you are, in your tunnel, in your fear. And the very Spirit is present with you to intercede for you, to pray on your behalf. So there's three groans while you're in the tunnel. But there's also a promise. Let's look at this promise. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now let's take a look at this promise. Oh, this is a beautiful promise. Who is this promise for? For those who love God. Children of God, followers of Jesus. Now, we need to keep in mind a couple things here in this promise. Can I just give you one of my pet peeves? I don't like Christian cliches. I don't like trite sayings. I don't like easy things that gloss over the reality of life. Because God has so much more. This is one of those verses that sometimes can be turned into a cliche. Sometimes people can say this and, oh, health, wealth, and happiness, it's a guarantee. All things are working for your good right now. It's all going to be rainbows and unicorns. But we need to understand this verse in its context. We need to understand what God is saying through this. So let's de-cliche it for a minute. Can we do that? So I don't know about you, but life's hard. <laughs> Life can be really hard. And sometimes it can get harder the older you get. Sometimes you think you've entered this season, you've cleared this hurdle, and there's another one coming. Are you with me? I asked somebody this morning, how are you doing, or how's it going? It's going. <laughs> I'm surviving. 
But I want you to think about this morning. First of all, who is this promise for? This promise is for those who love God. Now, this doesn't mean, oh my goodness, God is not at work. I don't feel like I love him perfectly today. It is not conditioned on the quality and quantity of our love. Thank you, Jesus. Because my love can go up and down sometimes. I can only love, you can only love, we can only love because God first loved us. Our love is a response to his love. But this promise is not for those who are not followers of Jesus. We'll get there in a minute, but I want you to understand that. This promise is for those who love God, who are children of God, who have put their faith and trust in God. That's who this promise is for. It is for those God foreknew. He knew this ahead of time. Now, some of you intellectual folks, you like to wrestle with these things. I'm with you. This is not the day I'm going to give you the perfect answer about the tension between God's sovereignty and his foreknowledge and our responsibility. We're going to leave those in tension a little bit, but I want you to see the picture of who God is that he foreknew. Paul says this in Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. He says that before the foundation of the world, before creation, he knew you. He loved you. He predestined us for adoption. Now let that truth settle on you for just a minute. Let it sit. If all this stuff's true, if Jesus really died and he really rose and all this stuff that we talk about, it's true. Before the creation of the world, he knew you. He knew me. He had adopted us into the family. As you're in the tunnel, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that promise. Now, what is the promise? The promise is that God is working all things together for your good and his glory. Sometimes I have a hard time understanding and seeing how that is working. Are you with me? Sometimes I'm a critic. Sometimes I might say, well, God, I'm not sure if I would do it this way. You ever see the movie Bruce Almighty? There's this great scene. Anytime you have God in a movie, it's the theology is going to be a little, little weird. But there's one part of this where uh, the Jim Carrey character, he takes over because God has said, hey, you think you can do it better? Why don't you sit in my seat for just a second? So there's this scene where all the prayers come in as emails. And he starts to answer them one by one. And finally he gets tired and he says, select all, yes. And what happens in the world? Complete chaos. Complete chaos. 
Sometimes I can be a critic of God's plans. But my view is so limited. Now, what's the purpose? What's the why? So that we might be conformed to the image of Jesus. So that God might take our character and shape it so that we can be more like Christ. Greater love, greater humility. Part of what fear is is just a closing in a small world that says it's just about me. God's in control. He is working things for his purpose, his glory. He knows better than we do. And he has a plan that's going to go beyond anything we can see in the right now. It's not a promise that all things will work together for good for you right now. You may not get the raise. You may not get the promotion. Your kids may embarrass you. People may turn against you. That may be part of the plan. Do you have eyes to see the plan that God has for you to conform you to be more like Jesus? Now, what is it, though? We see this unbreakable chain of God's love for us. This unbreakable chain. He's called you, he's pursued you before the foundation of the world. He has adopted you into the family. You've been justified, you've been made right with God, not because of anything you've done, but because of that cross, because Jesus paid the penalty, he died for your sins. You don't have to pay that price. At the cross, he said, it is finished. So he's pursued you, you've been justified, and you've been glorified. Glorified is a tricky word. That's in the not yet. Guess what God can see? He can see it all. He can see what you will be one day. He can see what you will be one day in eternity. Not just in the right now, not just in whatever tunnel you're going through right now, but what you will be, who you will be a million years from now. When you will be set free. Set free from the bondage of sin, of disease. When you will no longer have that sin nature. Think about what that's going to be. There's no ulterior motive. There's no strategy. There's no manipulation. It's a perfect love. Who will you be? Who will I be? Who will we be when that sin nature has been removed? We will be glorified. We will be more and more like Christ. The ultimate victory, the ultimate freedom. 
Now, when you think about that, the Holy Spirit plays an absolutely critical role in this. The Holy Spirit helps you see God's character shine brighter than your circumstances and your feelings. The Holy Spirit helps you see God's character shine brighter than your circumstances and your feelings. In a world where everything in this world the answer will be, I'm going to dull the pain, I'm going to distract you from the pain. God has something better. His Spirit will help you delight in the character of God. God's Spirit will help you delight in the very character of God. And my friends, this promise can be true for you today. It can be true for you. Now, really, there's only two categories of people. I'm just going to be really blunt here because I love you too much not to just be blunt. Two categories of people. You're either a child of God or you're not. You don't become a child of God when you're born. You're made in his image you're an image bearer, but you are not a child of God. A child of God is someone who's put his or her faith and trust in Christ. So as we look at all these promises, if you have not done that today, they are not true for you. Today, if that's the case, today is your day. Today is your day. You are not here in this room. You're not tuning in by accident. Today, you can put your simple faith and trust and receive that promise. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to write a 15-page letter of confession. You can simply say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You can make a simple profession of faith today. You can do that in your seat right now. You're going to have an opportunity later to come to one of the tables. You can talk to me afterwards. We can wrestle through anything you want to wrestle. But if you're not sure today that you have this blessing, that you have this promise, don't leave without taking a step. Now, the other, other category... You're a child of God, and you're in the tunnel. God reminded me while I was in the tunnel this week. I'm a child of God. Now it's time to live like it, to live like it. You don't have to fall into whatever will dull the pain or distract you from the pain. You can delight in the glory of who God is. You can simply put him in the center, put him at the top. That's going to look a little different for each one of us. But it's the Holy Spirit himself that will remind us who God is. And he will become the most beautiful thing that this world has to offer. 
wherever you are today, the Spirit has something for you.